0: Have a great time. We are very honored to have a man of God with us today that's a great evangelist going to preach to us. And in honor of the word, would you like to just stand with us just for a moment? And we're going to lift our hearts. Can we just close our eyes for just a moment and lift our hearts together and tell the Lord we're willing whatever he wants to do in us today. Lord, that's, let's do it together right now, shall we? Father, we thank you because you are alive and well. We thank you, Lord, for the power of the Word of God. Speak to us, and may many receive the power of God in their lives and the infilling of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Praise God. Go we'll to clap our hands unto the Lord as our evangelist comes. God bless Brother Campatello. Praise the Lord. Good to have you.
1: Thank you, Pastor French, and praise the Lord, everyone would you lift your hands and your voices to the Lord and let's just thank Him for His presence. If you're thankful for the presence of the Lord, would you tell Him right now? We love you, Jesus. In the presence of the Lord, there is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You're wonderful. You're Counselor. You're the Mighty God. You're the Everlasting Father. You are the Prince of Peace. We adore you, Father. What a delight. What an honor. I don't know how many adjectives to use to describe the joy that I feel. To be back at apostolic tabernacle we love this church so very much and thank god for the anointing that is here there is such a wonderful destiny on this church and i don't know how to say it without just saying it but you can't say that in every church there's a general destiny of the church of the living god it's foreordained it's preordained to victory it's preordained to growth but there is also a specific destiny prophecy a fulfillment of God's divine order that you can feel in specific local assemblies and there is no doubt in my mind in my spirit that this church has that hanging over its head It, it does we feel it every time we come and I, I know God is doing something so powerful here, not only in these walls, but so far beyond, I think, outside of these walls that may be beyond our, our understanding. And I'm, I'm just thankful to be a part. My wife is very pregnant on our third child. I don't know how we do it, but we do it. When we're coming to the French Revival, Apostolic Tab Revival, we get pregnant. So maybe there's something wonderful there. I I don't know. We're going to have to dislocate that at some point because three is about as much as I can handle. My wife wants 20 or 30. I'm not sure. Please pray for me. But she sends her greeting. She is praying for the service, and uh, she is absolutely somewhat distraught that she cannot be here. This is one of her favorite places to come, and she sends her love and her greeting. Please pray that she does not have the baby while I am preaching. And that I will have time to get home. I, I, she told me to leave my phone uh, on the platform just in case I get a text. She's been having a lot of uh, pre-labor contractions. And so I will be watching my phone and preaching at the same time. Hallelujah. Yeah. But we think we're going to be just fine. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to turn your attention to the book of John chapter 19, beginning with verse 25. I love the French family, brother and sister French. They're incredible people, the love that they have for the kingdom of God, for the people of God. And I think for us, too, unless they're just amazing actors, I mean, I feel like they love me more than anybody on the planet. I think they make everybody feel like that, you know? You just want to pinch people like that and see if they're real. They really are like this. It's unbelievable. And I have used Brother Talmadge French's name in several arguments now across the United States, and it stops the argument. It's wonderful. I say, well, I was speaking with Dr. Talmud's French, and that, that's the end of it right there. So he has become a weapon in my argument repertoire. And I love Brother Ryan, his spirit, his wisdom, and his hunger for truth and revival. <laughs> Brother Nathan, Brother Jonathan, I was, I was listening to their messages last night. And uh, you people have it made around here. You have it made. There is a buffet of spiritual wonders that is prepared for this church. Praise God. And I give honor to you all. Sister French, I love you. God bless you in Jesus' name. John chapter 19 and verse
0: 25.
1: The Bible says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. Everybody say Mary Magdalene. Chapter 20 and verse 1, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene. Would you say that again, Mary Magdalene? Early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. The next few scriptures tells us that she runs to the disciples, tell them what has happened. They came, they saw, they left. Verse 11, but Mary, referring to Mary Magdalene, stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. This is the second time. And seeth two angels in white sitting, The one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Now she's speaking to angels. Would you slap your neighbor on the shoulder and say she's speaking to angels? Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, the angels, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back. She was not interested in only angels. And saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, sir, if thou have borne him hence, Tell me where thou hast laid him. You can feel the craving in Mary's soul for Jesus Christ. Tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. She knew him as soon as he said her name. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul has a great tendency to go on and on and on and never end a sentence properly. He begins the subject in the few beginning verses 1 through 3, but then he continues on and on, and I'm coming in the middle of that. In verse 13, in whom, referring to Jesus Christ, would you say Jesus Christ? Ye also trusted. After that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel or the good news of your salvation. In whom, everybody say Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. In whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed, which means with a signet, with that old-fashioned sealing, they stamp that hot wax, pow. You are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest or the down payment or the deposit of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Look at your neighbor and say, we are the purchased possession unto the praise Of his glory I want to preach to you for a few minutes today on this topic when love calls your name when love calls your name would you put your Bibles down let's lift our hands and our voices to the Lord and let's ask him to do what he wants to do father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the authority of the Word of God and by the power of the name Jesus I bind every spirit that is contrary to the word of the Lord I command you to be silent. I command you to leave this place. And I loose the angels of God into this room, into this region, to accomplish your perfect will as they are the mediators, as they are the ones who carry the power and the the healing and the deliverance of this gospel. I pray that you would have your way in this place. I loose the gift of faith Upon the minds of every person here, open every eye to see and every ear to hear what thus saith the Lord in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said in Jesus' name, would you clap your hands with all your might and let's shout some praises unto
2: the Lord because he's worthy. Hallelujah. We bless your holy, mighty name, Jesus. We give you glory for what you're about to do. Hallelujah. Oh, let's do it again. I feel something building in the spirit. Just let your voice out and praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Great is our God and greatly to be
1: praised. Hallelujah. Give two or three people a high five as you're seated and say, let's have some church on Sunday morning. When love calls your name, I first want to tell you what type of love I am not referring to. The concept of love that is in our society, I do not believe is love. We are inundated, we are filled with the illusions and the deceptions of what Hollywood or sinful minds have tried to make of love. The love that is in this world is fleeting. You can fall in love and you can fall out of love. Seems like it's an accident both ways. You didn't mean to be in love and you didn't mean to be out of love. Something just happened to you. That is not the kind of love that I am referring to today. The kind of love that I'm talking about will never leave you. The kind of love that I'm talking about is not the kind of love that trades in an older bride for a young bride that is not tested by time. You hear about this all the time where these old codgers get rid of the wife that they started off with and they trade her in for some young thing. that don't know nothing. And that is considered love. That is not the kind of love I'm talking about. Uh, I just heard, I do not watch TV. I, I probably never will watch TV and I, I get my information off of different news sites. But a few days ago at the top of all these news sites, we heard the devastating news that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are parting ways. Was anybody surprised? Well, I got one hand raised. God bless you. I'm sorry. I was not surprised uh, as as much as they tried to turn this into a romantic fairy tale relationship, I'm not surprised when somebody Hollywood says is in love, all of a sudden decides to part ways because that kind of love is not love. That's a love that seems to be destroyed as soon as opposition comes up. Uh, the kind of love I'm talking about is never failing. It doesn't matter how low you go, how high you go. The kind of love I'm talking about is a faithful love. Love never fails. Love suffereth long and is kind. It doesn't keep a record of evils. It doesn't hold your failures over your head. The kind of love that I'm talking about is a forever love. You can look in the scripture and see the power of this love in action. David For example, heard love call his name. David was the youngest of his brethren. He was considered the least of his brethren, not by society, but by his own father. When Samuel the prophet came seeking the one that God spoke to him about, that would be king in Saul's stead, he went to the countryside, went to the house of Jesse, and said, one of your boys is the next king of Israel. And of course, Jesse brought forth Eliab. He's the strongest. He's the biggest. He's the firstborn. And Samuel, the prophet, beheld Eliab and said, this is not the one. He brought Shimei, the the nextborn, and he brought all six of the brothers before Samuel. And Samuel said, this is not the one. This is not the one. This is not the one God has spoken to me about do you have any more sons, Jesse? Jesse said, well, there's David. I mean, do you want me to bring David into the house? He's out there with the sheep. He probably smells. He's been out there watching them. I mean, he's the, he's the runt of the litter. Bring David. You hear the noise of the call, go out for David and David comes running up to the house and he's young, and the Bible says he's got rosy cheeks. He's a cute little boy. And he walks into the room, and Samuel is looking at David. And he's looking at David in a way he didn't look at the other boys. And he said, David, this is the one. He takes that horn of oil, and he opens that oil, and he dumps it on David's head. And David experiences the presence of, the power and the chosenness of god come upon him the bible says from that day forward the spirit of the lord was with david it did not depart from david and the spirit of the lord made david go from being a keeper of the sheep to the giant slayer he comes on the scene in samuel 17 and goliath is out there everyone is afraid and david looks at this giant And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? I'll take him. I can take this dude. What are you guys hiding for? I can take him. And the word reached King Saul. And he says, you cannot. You are just a boy. He's a man of war and has been so from his youth. And you're just a boy. And David said, no, you don't understand. When I was by myself and a lion came to destroy the sheep, God Help me to destroy the lion. And when a bear came, God, helped me to
2: destroy the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be as one of them. God is with me. You're about to find out how much
1: favor God has given to me, King Saul. And he goes out. You know the story. It was a mismatch from the beginning. Goliath never had a chance. Goliath falls and you see David rising up among his brethren, rising up in society. Saul has slain his... thousands, but David, his ten thousands, his reputation is building, and now he is Saul's right-hand man, the mighty warrior that brings Saul his victories, and he goes on and on, and finally, after all the turmoil that arose from Saul's jealousy and from him fleeing in the wilderness, David is promoted to be king over Israel, king over Judah, then king over Israel, and the Bible says that when God had given him rest from all his enemies round about him, David sat in his palace and there was a beautiful woman down by the way bathing. And He committed sin in his heart by lusting after her. And he sent a message saying, who is this woman? She is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Bring her to me. David sins, commits adultery with this woman and sends her home. David did not know that he made her pregnant. And news comes to him from Bathsheba. I am with child David's mind begins to scramble he is the one that can tackle all these challenges his mind begins to scramble what am I going to do well I can bring Uriah one of my mighty men I can bring him home and I can send him to his wife and that will cover over the sin that I have committed he brings Uriah home and sends him home to his house and when he inquires after Uriah News comes to him that says Uriah never went home to his wife, David. He slept on the porch of the king's palace. And David. Called after Uriah and he said, Why didn't you go home? He said, How can I go home when my brothers are out on the battlefield, when the ark of God is on the battlefield? Should I go home and enjoy the pleasures of being married when my brothers are out in warfare? And David, now he's getting desperate and he makes Uriah drunk and he tries to send him home again, but he will not go home. And so he sends a letter. The psalmist of Israel, the one who slayed the giant, the one who was chosen by God, who was singled out by God's love and approval and favor, now sends a letter with Joab and says, kill him. Put him at the forefront of the hottest battle and when he's there, withdraw from him, leave him to himself so that he may die. And, of course, it did happen, and he got a message from Joab saying that your wish has been accomplished. He has died, and we withdrew from him. The archers destroyed him, and and Nathan the prophet comes in to David a few days later and tells him the story of the rich man taking the poor man's only ewe lamb, and David said, that man shall die. Nathan the prophet looked at David and said, you're the man I'm talking about. You've just pronounced your own sentence, David. The Bible tells us that David cried out to God. You can read in Psalms 51 after he had sinned with Bathsheba. The Bible doesn't gloss over people's sin at all. It just reveals everything. But after he had sinned with Bathsheba, he wrote this song to God and said, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. You, the, the, the thing that I have, the, my reputation, my throne... The name that you have given to me. You can take away everything from me. But God, if you take away everything, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. It's been with me from the time that you first anointed me. I have become accustomed to your presence. Uh, please do not leave me. And the prophet said to him, you're not going to die. You, you, God is not dissociating himself from your failure. That's the kind of love I'm talking about. You can fall flat on your face uh, and God doesn't look at you and say, I'm done with you. You've tainted my reputation. You've messed up my name. You're going to cast
2: a bad shadow on my, my spirit. God doesn't do that. Uh, God, that love, that anointed him in the beginning uh, was with him uh, while he was on the lowest place he was ever in his life.
1: His friends turned against him. His own family turned against him. His generals turned against him. His priests turned against him. But God would never leave him. And even at the end of his life when it was all over thousands of years later Bible says to us, Jesus is the son of David. Jesus could have picked anybody to be the son of. He could have put any name he wanted right there. But his love for David was so great, he would not divorce himself from the covenant that he made with him. Jesus, the son of David. Now, I know people in my life, when they thought I was messing up or thought I was getting a little scary, they started dissociating themselves with me as quick as they could. You go to general conference and you go to shake their hand and they turn around real quick. I know people in my life where I have seen them fall, seen them fail, and they expected a certain reaction from me. When they saw me again, they were ready for the rejection. They were ready for the pain that I was about to inflict upon them because of their failure. And I felt the love of Jesus come up in my spirit. And I walked straight up to them. And I'm going to grab that. I could care less who sees me. I could care less what people think. I still love you, man. I still pray for you. We're still, hey, I still believe in you. You can overcome. The kind of love that I'm talking about will never leave
2: you nor forsake you. The kind kind of love that I'm talking about today once it calls your name he's never going to change his mind once he singled you out once he says i love you no other thought is going to enter his mind even though you may sin the greatest sin on the planet even though you may consider yourself the greatest failure you've ever seen god still loves you god still loves you god will never leave you
1: I've experienced this to some degree in my life. I remember at 18 years old, I had turned my back on God. So miserably turned my back. So grotesquely turned my back on God. And I can remember the thoughts begin to come into my spirit. Does he still love me? How how can God still give me his presence after this? And I went to the church one particular night when I couldn't take the pressure any longer. The condemnation of Satan. You're a loser, man. You fell flat on your face. You're going to keep on falling. No matter what you do, you're going to keep
2: on falling, keep on falling, keep on falling.
1: I went to that altar. And I laid on the ground in front of that pulpit. And I just cried. Couldn't feel nothing. Jesus seemed like a million miles away, and I prayed, I don't know, for 30, 45 minutes, crying out to God, God, please forgive me. God, I'm sorry. Please restore me. Please don't leave me alone. And nothing. I couldn't feel nothing. Anybody ever done something so dumb you felt like you couldn't feel no, You were numb afterwards. I got three or four honest people. We might have revival in this section right here. All you people are super spiritual. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about right now. Balling, screaming to God for mercy. It was an ugly prayer meeting. It wasn't no pretty sophisticated prayer meeting. I promise you that. I left a puddle of all kinds of stuff on that carpet. Anybody prayed so hard you left more than tears on the carpet? Three more honest people. God bless you. Because I had nowhere else to go. Where are you going to go after you've been with Jesus. Who can you turn to if you turn away from him? What voice can console you if his voice is silent? And I can remember, I stopped praying. It was so hard to pray. I stopped praying and I just laid there and the thought was in my spirit. He's done with me. He's changed his mind. He's gone. He's moved on to somebody else that's never failed. He's moved on to somebody else that's better than I am. And as I was about to get up, I felt his presence come to me. That's just a simple line, but I'm telling you what, that changed my life right there. My face was buried in the carpet, and I couldn't see him with my eyes, but if I could visualize it with my soul, I felt his feet walk right up to my head. And I began to shake and tremble because I knew he was there. And he reached down and he put his hands on my head. And he said, Joey,
2: I still love you.
1: You want to talk about losing it. You want to talk? In a, you want to talk about a. 180 degree turn in just a moment I thought I was going down but his presence came to me nobody else was in that building I was crying out to God and God came to my side and he said I forgive you and as a matter of fact I haven't changed my mind about you at all and let me tell you another secret Joey I knew you were going to do this before I said I love you the first time I took all this into account when I made my overture
2: of love to you the beginning I knew you would fail I knew you would fall my love for you has not diminished in any way I want to tell you something I got up from that prayer meeting a changed man I got up from that prayer meeting I felt like I was walking on there I came in depressed and down and broken when I walked out I had the victory when I walked out I was flying because God still loved me God hadn't changed his mind about me Somebody lift your hands and thank the Lord for His love right now. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Let your voice out for a moment. Just let something come out of your spirit. If anybody's thankful, why don't you tell the Lord? Thank you, God!
1: Jesus said, Jesus said, He that is forgiven much loveth much. The best saints in the church are not the ones who think they don't need forgiveness for anything. You're just a lying hypocrite is what you are. You have deceived yourself. The best saints in the church know if it wasn't for the Lord. Who was on my side. Where would I be? The best saints in the church know if you know like I knew. What the Lord has done for me. You would understand
2: why I am the way I am. You would understand why I worship the way that I worship. You would understand why I can scream out, I love you, Jesus. I praise you. If you only knew where the Lord has brought me from, those are the best saints in the church. Not the flawless, not the perfect, but the forgiven, the restored. Do it again. Let your voice out. Let something, let something powerful come out of you. I love you, God. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Uh, Let it out. Let it flow. There's a flow building. There's something building. Let it out. Let it out. I'm here because you saved me. I'm here because you forgave me. I'm here because you restored me. When I had given up hope on myself, you didn't give up hope on me, Lord.
1: Let me tell you something. You can sit down, stand. I don't care what you do. Let me tell you something. I couldn't care less what people think of me. When I come to church, are you kidding me? You think I'm going to praise him in a way that's acceptable and comfortable for you?
2: You didn't set me free. You didn't break my chains. You didn't rip the devil off of my back. God did this for me. God set me free. God broke these chains. That's why I'm going to dance. That's why I'm going to run. That's why I'm going to leap for joy and shout. God set me free.
1: And I am totally convinced, I'm totally convinced, people who don't worship, you've never heard him call your name. Or if he did, you forgot. I'm going to make a confession. You can sit down. Boy, we've just done a little detour, haven't we? I can remember in our church, now I was considered... Slightly fanatic in worship. When I came to church, I sat on the front row as close as I could get to the pulpit. And I would just rock and pray and speak in tongues the whole service. Just loving every single word out of my pastor's mouth. And I can remember when the Holy Ghost would fall, I would start dancing. And you can always tell when there's people there who they're just not into dancing. And then the next level of that is they don't want you dancing either. Man, this is the first service of the whole revival, and here we are. Lord, have mercy. So, now this may not be the right spirit, and I submit myself to Pastor French and He can correct me, and I I won't tell this anymore if he doesn't want me to. But something would rise up inside of me. And when I was dancing, I could feel the judgment of the people who didn't want me dancing. And I would just let the spirit kind of blow me that way.
2: just dance all around them because they didn't set me free they didn't save my soul he's the one who washed all my sins away he loves me and I love him and that's why I praise
0: him
1: So I guess I'm just telling you that to tell you this. Just do your thing. Just do your thing. Don't worry about Sunday morning, Sunday night, whatever. Just do your thing for Jesus, okay? Whatever you feel like doing, go ahead and do it. He loves it. He loves it. He loves it. He loves it. it. (laughs) Mary Magdalene understood the love of Jesus. It's so amazing to me because you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of them mention Mary Magdalene going to the sepulcher. And all of them put her name first. John only says Mary Magdalene. In other words, that story is mainly about her. She's the main character. And when you look at the life of Mary Magdalene, her past is not pretty. The Bible says, out of her, Jesus had cast seven devils. That ain't pretty. Well, we don't get to know the instant and the story that happened at that moment. But every other story we have of him casting out devils wasn't pretty. The person didn't come up and say, Jesus, I have some devils. Would you, would you mind taking care of these for me? Thank you, Jesus. No, it was like, ah! ah! I feel good. I just feel like I lose something right there.
2: Out of Mary,
1: Jesus cast seven devils. It said she had infirmities. In her flesh, disease of the soul, disease of the mind. But at some point, we don't know if she heard Jesus was coming. We don't know if Jesus was passing by her house. We do not know the story. But at some point, she got in the presence of Jesus. And at some point, she got his attention and put his attention on her need. And when that encounter was over, she was a different woman forever and the depth of relationship that had to be there was astounding the Bible says that Mary Magdalene ministered to Jesus of her substance she was in a group of ladies that gave their substance obviously she had money she had food she had something that she supported the ministry of Jesus Christ when you look at At the end of the life of Jesus Christ, before he died on the cross, he is gasping for breath. His disciples have fled. Peter, the main dude, gone. Denied him three times. Jesus looks down, and he sees his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas, and he sees Mary Magdalene. And he sees John. When everybody else was afraid to associate themselves with this condemned man, Mary Magdalene is standing at the foot of the cross. I could care less if they arrest me right now. I don't care what the Sanhedrin thinks about me. They may be writing me down on their list. I couldn't care less. My Savior is dying on the cross. And I know he's real because I know where he brought me from. Before Jesus, I was a wreck. Before Jesus, I was tormented in my mind. Before Jesus, I didn't know if there was any hope out there. Before Jesus, I didn't know if living was worth it. But after Jesus, uh, he became my everything. Uh, He became the center of my mind, my soul, my spirit. Uh, He became my focus, my hope, my dream. Uh, He became everything to me. And now he's dying. Why is he dying? Why? I don't understand why he's dying. My hopes are crashing down. Everything I had put my life into is before me bleeding to death on the cross. She's not related to Jesus, but she's there. Mary saw Jesus take his last breath.
2: It is finished.
0: <sighs> Mary
1: I can imagine she was weeping groaning Joseph of Arimathea Nicodemus come they take the body of Jesus they begged Pilate for it Pilate said take it Mary the Bible says Mary was following them seeing where they were gonna put this body they put it into that borrowed tomb in the garden And they seal it with the door or the the stone for a door. Mary notices she goes home and prepares the spices and the ointments. And the Jewish custom was to wrap the body in that linen and then anoint it as long as they could to keep the body smelling good to pay their respects for days after. (laughs) She goes home. She waits the entire Sabbath because you're not allowed to go do anything. And the next day, the Bible says the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene. Peter didn't come. John didn't even come. His own mother didn't even come. Mary Magdalene came. And she goes to the sepulcher and she sees the stone rolled away. This is not something that gives her joy. This is something that devastates her. Because the one she loves that she thought she knew where he was is now gone. She looks inside of the tomb and the Bible says she saw two angels, one sitting at the head, the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Now that right there would have been enough to make an impact on anybody's mind. Seeing two angels talking to you right there. Anybody else? Yeah. That had been enough for me. Seems like. Talking to angels. The angel said, woman, why are you weeping? What are you seeking? And she said, I'm seeking the body of Jesus. Where is she? Tell me where you've taken him. The Bible says she turned away from the angels. Could care less about angels. I'm looking for something a little bit better than angels. She turns around and she sees someone she's supposed to be the gardener, which is Jesus in a new form. Obviously, he, his body was different. His face was different. It wasn't the same Jesus that she had seen as far as recognition. And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said, Sir, if you've taken him, if you have moved my Lord, tell me where you have taken him. And Jesus, when she turned away from the gardener, Jesus said, Mary. And something in the way he said her name reminded her of a conversation, of a moment, of a time when she was looking into his eyes. And with love, he said, Mary. And the gardener says to her. Mary, she turns around and she instantly recognizes this man, Christ Jesus. And she said, Rabboni, which means master, my Lord, I have been looking for you. And another place says she grabbed his feet. If you grab somebody's feet, they ain't going nowhere. He was being a little bit slippery. He ain't going nowhere now. Grabbed his feet and I want to tell you something. Everything came back together for Mary. Every broken piece, every shattered dream, every hope that had crashed uh, came back to him. uh, And Jesus said, go tell my disciples, the guys who are supposed to be leading this organization. Would you please go tell them I'm alive And
2: that I have appeared to you And Mary goes back And they didn't even believe her at first They couldn't understand But they all came and discovered That he had risen from the dead I want to tell you something Love is what opened Mary's eyes Love is what caused her to stay at the foot of the cross Love is what drove her to that sepulcher Early in the morning when nobody else would go
1: When love calls your name, I want to tell you something. You'll never be the same as long as you live. If you ever hear Jesus call your name, you will never be the same again. You'll leave anything and everything behind because when there's so much fulfillment. There's, there's like a big gap in the soul that only Jesus can fill and only his voice can fill. And when he whispers your name, when he looks at you and says, you're the one I've been waiting for. You may think you just came as a guest today or you're just trying to check out this church. I want to tell you something. The reason why you're here is because God has brought you here. And in just a few moments, he's going to mention your name and you're going to experience his love and his power in a way that's going to change your life forever. And love, love constantly drives people to deeper revelation, deeper levels of intimacy. I love my wife. She ain't here. I'm going to go home and smooch her. I miss her. I talked to her 12 times before I went to bed. We Facetime. We chatted. We text. And I can remember my wife and I were at Chick-fil-A. When we were praise God for Chick-fil-A, hallelujah. This is where it originated, isn't it? I felt a Holy Ghost spirit right there. Thank you, Jesus.
2: We're sitting
1: at Chick-fil-A. This is before we were officially engaged. We had been courting, and I had made up in my mind. Now I love her. I knew God had spoken to me. I had a big old thick journal of devotional love things that I kept for several years. Jessica, I love you. You're my baby. You're my lady. Can't wait to hold your hand. Can't wait to live my life together with you. Are y'all live streaming? This is live. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So we're sitting in Chick-fil-A. I had made up my mind not to say I love you until we got engaged because I don't want to overstep. I want to be an example. So on and so forth. So we're sitting there and We had ordered some ice cream, and she's sitting there, and I'm sitting here. It's at one of those tables for just two people. And the Christian music is playing, I can only imagine. (laughs) And I'm just like. (laughs) And she's looking at me. She's licking her ice cream, and she looks at me and smiles. And I don't know what came upon me. Something hit me, Pastor French. And I could not contain what was inside of me any longer. And I just said, Jessica, I love you. Thank you for those of you that said all. Thank you very much. And I burst into tears. I mean, I burst into tears. I'm actually highly romantic, emotional, okay? Burst into tears, and she looked back after she took a lick of ice cream, and she said, Joey, I love you too. Man, that ice cream took on a whole nother level, y'all. I want to tell you right now, Chick-fil-A has a special spot right here. We could not contain... What was inside of us any longer. And I want to tell you I would not be satisfied with licking an ice cream saying I love you to Jessica. And that's it. I want to hold her hand. I want to marry her. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. Love drove us from one level of relationship to another. To another. Now we got three kids. Lord Jesus help us. I didn't know it would drive us that far. Hallelujah. And God is so crazy about you. He knew when you made up in your mind you're coming to church. He knew it. He saw you getting dressed. He saw you putting the perfume on and the hairspray on and the hairspray on and and even more hairspray on. (laughs) He saw you, dude, when you put on your tie and you didn't like it and you took it off and you put it on. He was so romantically engaged. He was so crazy about the idea that you're coming to this building just so you can be in his presence. And he followed you here, but he wants to take the relationship to another level. He's not just satisfied with you feeling him and him
2: feeling you. He wants to take it to another level. And Paul tells us that after you have heard the word of truth, after you have believed this message of the gospel of your salvation, after you have believed, God will seal you. With the Holy Spirit of promise uh, God wants to give you something uh, A taste of something uh, That you're going to have When you go to heaven uh, And you're sitting at the marriage supper of the Lamb God wants to give you your deposit uh, On the relationship uh, That he has called you into So he gives you his name
1: Who's getting baptized? I heard people are getting baptized today. there's several people getting baptized. When you go down in that water, you're taking his name. Every marriage requires two people. And a, a man and a woman, by the way. Can I say that right there?
2: But it would not work
1: If when you came up to the altar and after the pastor repeated the vows and said, do you? And you say, I do. And then he looks at the wife and said, do you? And she just like, well, do you? It wouldn't work. Two people have to say, I do. You getting baptized is you saying, I do. The Holy Spirit of promise is God saying, I do. When you receive the down payment on what you're going to get in heaven, it changes your life. When I got the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you. The spirit of Jesus came inside of my body and he gave me the deposit on my inheritance. He gave me the down payment on the glory that we're going to experience in heaven. And God wants to give that to you today. If you have never received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You do not have to leave here without it. I want to tell you, are there any witnesses in the house that the Holy Ghost is as good as it gets? It's it's the best thing you're ever going to have in this life. (laughs) Nothing in this world can compare to when Jesus calls your name and makes a covenant with you and enters into your body. Nothing on this earth can compare And when you receive the Spirit, the Bible tells us that the evidence of that is speaking in tongues. Acts chapter 2, when they got the Holy Ghost, when they were sealed with that Holy Spirit, they spoke with tongues. Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, every time they got the Holy Ghost, they spoke with tongues. Why? Why are you speaking in tongues? Why can't you just feel joy or feel happy? Because the Bible tells us that the tongue controls the entire body. James tells us. That the tongue to the body is like a rudder to a ship. The captain of that ship does not get out in the water and swim and try to push that ship to turn it. He just controls the rudder. And when God takes over your tongue, he is telling you he's got the rudder of your soul. He is now directing your life. And he takes over that tongue. James tells us that the tongue is the one thing you will never have control over in your life. He said, we've tamed all manner of beasts. We've tamed all kinds of serpents. We can put anything in cages, but no man can tame the tongue. So God shows you that he's taking control by taking over the one thing you'll never have control over in your life, your tongue. You are about to speak in tongues. You're going to speak in a language you have never spoken in your life. It's going to sound like baby talk and gibberish. It's going to sound like words that you've never uttered in your life. That is God showing you that he has called your name and that he has sealed you with his spirit. I want you to lift your hands and thank the Lord for that. If you've already got it, just thank the Lord. Would you let your voice out and just thank the Lord with me right now? Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for bringing me to church, Lord. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for changing my life, Jesus. Now, here's what I want us to do. We're about to take the step. When you get married, you have to walk down an aisle. So let's stand to our feet. Turn to four people, one in front of you, one behind you, to the left and to the right, and ask them this question. Have you ever received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues? Ask them. Four people, front, back, side to side. If they got a real mean look on their face, just politely tap them on the shoulder and ask them anyway. If you have not been asked the question, you should be highly offended right now. Grab somebody and say, ask me the question. If they said, yes, I've already got it, tell them you're about to get it again.
2: If they said no,
1: I've never received this speaking in tongues. I've never received the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. Tell them, today is your day. Look at them and tell them, today is your day. But for this to happen, you got to get out of your seat. you got to come down to the front. you got to walk down an aisle. If you're going to make this covenant with Jesus Christ you got to walk down an aisle. So here's what we're going to do. Somebody's got to break the ice. I want you to turn to those people. And if they said, I've never received it, would you ask them, say, would you please come down to the front with me right now so God can fill you with the Spirit and just come. Just come. Just come. Look at this. Look at this. Look at these hungry, hungry, bold, brave, courageous, powerful people walking down. Look at this. Thank you, Jesus. Just keep on coming. Let's, let's just thank the Lord for people that are coming right now. These are bold people. These are, these are people that are stepping out in front of everybody. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's thank the Lord. Somebody close your eyes. Don't, don't look. Just thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the hunger. Thank you for the desire. Thank you, God, for the boldness, for the courageous spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. <sighs> Hallelujah. How the people are still moving. Just let's just stay in a mode of worship. Just stay in a mode of prayer. That's it. Come as close as you can. Get in position. Let's just line across the front here. This is wonderful. If somebody is standing in front of you and you have come up, just kind of squeeze your way in or go around us everybody try to get shoulder to shoulder we might have to have two lines that's it let's do two lines one row after another that's it if you're in the second row just back up a little bit from the people if you're in the first row you can step up just a hair if you're in the third row back up so people can get in between and help you pray this is wonderful this is incredible i want to tell you something god is pouring out his spirit in a mighty way right now all over the country all over the world hundreds thousands thousands are receiving the holy ghost in just the past few weeks we have seen over 120 people receive the holy ghost just the past two revivals god is filling people with the holy ghost And what is about to happen to you is going to change your life forever. It's going to change you forever. I need altar workers, ministers, prayer warriors, people of faith. I want you to come stand in front of these wonderful people right here. These are going to help you pray. The Bible talks about in the Bible that the the people would lay hands on each other. And that will transmit faith and the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost. If you've got faith, if you're a saint, if you just want to be involved, get in front of them. We need as many altar workers as we can. Praise the living God. Praise the living God. Now, I want to give you some simple instruction. Because we are about to experience a supernatural experience. And there are physical things you can do to help your spirit open up to God. Okay? The first thing I want to tell you is that body language is important to Jesus. Okay, just like it's important to other humans, Jesus responds to your body language. That is why when we pray, we lift our hands to the Lord. When you lift your hands, you're saying, I surrender. You're saying, I'm ready. You're saying, feel me. You're saying so many things. My boys, when they want me to pick them up, they walk up. They don't have to say a word to me. They walk up and they just say, and daddy has to pick them up. They know I'm going to do it. It's just like a trap. I cannot get out of. When you lift your hands to Jesus, he's going to pick you up. He's going to pick you up. I want us to practice. Everybody in the building, throw your hands up as high as you can get them. Just show the Lord how eager you are right now. That's it. That's it. That's it. You can put them down. Y'all got an A plus on that. That was excellent. Some people are too cool or too uncomfortable to lift their hands all the way. I see people lift their hands like this. And Jesus, what you're telling the Lord is, I'm not ready. I'm not really comfortable. And he is such a gentleman, he will stay away from you. He'll back up from you. You've got to show him that you're ready right now. Okay? Okay. Number two. Everybody say number two. Satan does not want you to get this. He is having a bad afternoon right now, I promise you. And he is going to fight you. Now, I don't believe he's going to appear to you in this big, dark thing. I don't think that's going to happen. What's going to happen is there's going to be a little battle that happens in your mind. He's going to speak to your mind about why you're unworthy, about why you're It can not happen to you. It might happen to somebody else. It can not happen to you. How you might might have tried this before and it didn't work. He may remind you of how bad things are for you. People you've let down. He's going to do anything he can to cause you to feel shame, unworthiness. And I've seen people, what happens is, is when they begin to feel this, their head goes down. And as the head goes down, the faith goes down. It's not a humility. It's a spirit of condemnation. The way to fight it is so simple. When you lift your hands, lift up your head. The Bible says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills where my help comes from. Okay? I want us to practice. Would you lift your hands as high as you can get them and just lift up your head? That's where the miracle's coming from, right there. It's coming from the heavens down upon you. That's it. That's it. You can put them down. This is very childlike, okay? This is very simple. Number three, we must repent of our sins. Whether you've already prayed today or not, whether this is your first time or your thousandth time in church, I want every single person in this building to sincerely repent of our sins to the Lord. I'm going to repent. I'm going to ask Pastor French, To lead us in a prayer of repentance. And he can't do it for you. He can't repent for you. He can't put the words in your mouth. Something's got to come from your heart. And the Bible says specifically, you have to use your voice. You have to use your mouth. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. Okay? Don't do it in your mind. Don't just do it in your heart. Do it with your mouth. Now, let me explain. I'm not asking you to name your sins for people to hear. I'm not asking you to say how bad you've been out loud or whatever. What I need you to say and what God wants to hear from you is for you to say, I need you. I am a sinner. I'm lost without you. Please forgive me of my sins. Please wash my sins away. And when you say that, that's real repentance. Let it come from your heart. Your emotions are going to start feeling powerful when you repent. Something's going to start stirring inside of your soul as you repent. Let that happen. Don't stop it. I want every hand lifted. I want every head raised. Get ready to repent right now with your voice.
0: Dear Lord Jesus, right now we thank you for every heart that's repenting before God. Lord, we come, Lord, each one, Lord, every heart that's bringing their sins before you, Lord, we're bringing them to the altar of repentance, and Lord, we're asking for your forgiveness and your touch, Lord. The tears are flowing, and the anointing is upon us. Our hands are lifted and we surrender ourselves oh God our nation is repenting Lord right here standing in this altar one soul at a time and we thank you for it praise you Jesus Lord we ask you to take every sin and wash us in the blood of Jesus Christ oh God and let the anointing rest upon us And we give you praise for this. In the name of Jesus. Oh, that's it. Let's thank the Lord that he heard our prayer.
2: Thank him. Thank him for it. Somebody let your voice out and thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can already feel a cleansing. You can already feel a cleaning of the mind of the spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah.
1: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The last thing I'm going to ask you to do is in just a moment when we pray, I want you to praise God with the loudest voice you have ever used in your life. I mean, get loud. You may say, Brother Campatella, it is not my personality to get loud. The Bible commands us to get loud. It says shout unto the Lord. And what happens is is when you use your voice as loud as you can to praise God, you release your emotions to God. It is impossible to raise your voice without releasing your emotions impossible. So I want us to shout as loud as we can. Now, what I want us to shout is a, the highest praise you can possibly shout to God. And that is hallelujah. When you say hallelujah in a nutshell, what you are saying is God, I give you all of me. I give you everything I am. Okay. Okay. Don't pray quietly. Turn your neighbor. Tell him, tap them on the shoulder. Say, don't worry about it. Tell him, I'm going to be doing it with you. I, I would to God, every person in this building, even if you're back watching and praying, I would to God, every person in this building shouted to the top of their lungs. Hallelujah. I want us to practice. On the count of three, we're going to throw our hands up, throw our heads back, and we're going to shout with all of our might. Hallelujah. Are you ready? Listen, you came up here. You already broke the ice. You might as well go over the edge, okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. That's it. That's it. That's it. Did you feel that? Something just kind of came underneath us, didn't it? Now hold on. I'm going to let you go in just a moment. I'm going to let you do your thing in just a moment. It just came on you. As soon as you do that, it comes upon you. I'm going to finish my prayer by shouting hallelujah as loud as I can. That's your cue to shout hallelujah. That's your cue to start shouting it as loud as you can. As you shout hallelujah, hallelujah will be the last words out of your mouth that you understand. Something funny is going to happen to your tongue, you're going to stutter. There's going to be a trembling that comes into your mouth. You're you're going to mispronounce your words all of a sudden. There's going to be some stutters that get in your mouth. And I have seen people, because they're using logic, and they're thinking to themselves, why am I mispronouncing these words? They get real slow, and they start pronouncing everything perfectly. Don't do that. God is trying to take over your tongue. It's going to sound like complete gibberish. Don't expect it to sound normal. It's going to sound like a baby is talking out of your mouth. That is God taking over your language to show you he has taken over your soul. Okay? Are you all ready for this? Altar workers, are you ready? Everybody get in position. When you start speaking in tongues, altar worker, when you see the person you're praying for speaking in tongues, please raise your hand, get my attention, raise the thumb, get... Brother French, Brother Ryan French, Pastor French, whoever. Get somebody up here. Because we're going to count. The devil doesn't want us to count. He just wants it to be general. We're going to count how many people get this for the first time. And it's going to happen. If you want it and you do what I say, it's going to happen to every single person. Every single person. Are you ready? Raise your hands and your head to the Lord right now. Just close your eyes. Get your mind on Jesus. Don't worry about the person next to you at all. This is between you and the Lord. Just forget about everybody else. That's it. Get your mind on Jesus. You can picture him on the cross. You can picture him walking up to you. It's about to happen right now. By the authority of the word of
2: God and by the power of the name Jesus, every single one of you receive the Holy Ghost now. Hallelujah Lay your hands on them right now receive it That's it That's it Let it out of your mouth. That's the Holy Ghost right there. There's one talking in tongues. Come on, altar workers. Let me see your hands. There's one right there. Let it out of your mouth. Let it out of your mouth. Let it out of your mouth. Let him take over. Let the Holy Ghost take over.